This is Detroit Today. I'm Stephen Henderson on 101.9 WDT Detroit. For the most contentious years, when Governor Jennifer Granholm was in Lansing, Mike Bishop was the Senate Majority Leader, a stalwart and sometimes even obstinate foil to the governor's agenda. Bishop left public office when Granholm did after the 2010 elections, but he resurfaced last year to compete for and win the empty congressional seat in Michigan's 8th District. Now he's adjusting to being a smaller player in a much bigger legislative organization and staking out his own territory on the most important issues in Washington. I'm pleased to welcome Congressman Mike Bishop to Detroit today. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to see you again. You were gone for a while yeah, <laughs> from public life, right? Yeah, uh, you time, were Senate yeah. Majority Leader uh, for a good long time while Jennifer Granholm was governor, and we, I got to know you then pretty well. And then you stepped back for a while. What what made you decide to go back uh, into politics? Well, I, I think once that flame is lit inside of you, the public service flame is lit. It, it's hard to extinguish. And... Um, being on the outside, sometimes it gets a little difficult to watch what's going on and not want to participate. Right. I found myself watching the Senate uh, in Michigan uh, live stream on the on the on the uh, computer <laughs> often, and uh, I watch with great uh, interest everything that's going on nationally and internationally. And uh, when Mike Rogers decided to step down, he uh, he really encouraged me to run, and I have great respect and admiration for Mike Rogers and. His encouragement was what got me into the race. Uh, so you're joining a, a U.S. Congress that uh, is is very divided, uh, not very well thought of by the public because it doesn't appear to get very much done. A lot of people blame Republicans for that, say that they are obstructionist, that they are uh, opposing Barack Obama because he is Barack Obama uh, and don't have a real agenda of their own. How do you, as a new member uh, of the Congress and a new member of that caucus, answer that that charge? Well, you know, I, I hear it from both sides. Republicans blame the, the Democrats. Democrats blame the Republicans. And I think probably uh, they're both to blame in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> right. And so uh, I try not to get involved in that discussion. My hope is that uh, as we have a new American majority in, in the United States Congress, that uh, this new group of leaders is going to help push along progress, uh, pushing the country forward and issues that we can all agree upon. Um, well, let's talk about some of those issues. Uh, mm-hmm. Immigration. Uh, we had an immigration bill passed by the Senate uh, a couple of years ago on a bipartisan basis that, that would have changed a lot of the things uh, that people are frustrated with. The House won't take it up. Um, uh, Republicans have different different ideas. Is there a way to come to an agreement about that issue uh, outside of that bill? And if there is, how, how come we haven't seen it yet? Well, there are a number of vehicle bills uh, that are moving right now in Congress. Uh, in fact, the uh, House of Representatives did send over a, a bill to, to the Senate as well that sat there. Um, I, I'm a bit frustrated with the United States Senate because they have a rule that uh, really prohibits forward motion. And that is uh, a rule allowing for unlimited debate. Sure. And un- unless we can get by that, uh, it it's requires a, a good majority, 60-member majority to, right. to get that through. So I think something has to be done with that. Uh, I, I do believe we've got to come together on a on, um, mutually acceptable vehicle bill that we can discuss and discuss in a way that's open and transparent so the American public can see what we're doing. But there are a lot of issues in the immigration uh, uh, policy discussion that we can agree upon. Right, right. Uh, 
we saw the frustration over over immigration reached real heights a couple of weeks ago when the House sort of uh, threatened uh, Department of Homeland Security funding uh, if the president didn't back away from his executive order. Where do, where do you stand on that? Well, I supported the language in the original bill that was sent to the Senate that uh, that prohibited the Department of Homeland Security from enforcing the gov- the excuse me the president's executive order. Uh-huh. The Senate didn't move that bill; it sat there. Sometime along the way, though, the federal court came in in Texas and enjoined the, uh, the president's executive order. So it's no longer any the Department of Homeland Security can't do anything with that order until the injunction is, has been lifted. But in the meantime, we had a Department of Homeland Security that had a budget that was was about to expire. And I was one of the very few Republicans, that 70-some Republicans, actually supported the, the funding of Homeland Security because I believe fundamentally that, that the core function of government is to protect people in sure. the homeland. Right. And being from Michigan, which has its own very specific homeland security issues. A border state. Clearly. Absolutely. And I, I just think it, it was important that we do whatever we could to rally behind Homeland Security. Right. Uh, I'm talking with Mike Bishop, who is the newly elected congressman uh, from the 8th District of Michigan. But what about health care reform? Uh, Republicans have, have not been, obviously, fans of health care reform since mm-hmm. it passed. They've voted many times to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Uh, I know you don't agree with uh, many provisions of the Affordable Care Act, but but what would you do uh, to, to reform the health care system uh, if 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 you were writing the law from scratch, well, I, I believe in in um, the uh, principles of uh, the, the free market, and I just came from the private sector, so I have kind of a fresh perspective sure. on this. And the business where I I um, I was serving as general counsel had to comply with this new law, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and I can tell you from the perspective of small business, it is going to have a dramatic, devastating effect on small business because everybody's putting on the brakes right now. No one wants to hire. Everybody's afraid of how this is going to be interpreted and whether or not they're complying. So, no, but some is, is, isn't some of that uncertainty about the repeated challenges to the law? In other words, that people are not sure what is going to be true and what's not uh, over time. Well, coming from me, I mean, just my perspective, I can tell you and the folks that I talk to, and I talk to a lot of general counsel out there who served in my same position of these small businesses, we all had the same concern, and that's the actual implementation of the law. Most people are looking for a way to, to slow it down because we don't understand it yet, and small businesses certainly don't understand it. My company was fortunate because they had a compliance officer that we could, we could monitor and, and really help with the compliance but there have been many challenges. Yeah. Uh, the King versus Burwell case that's pending right now. Right. Uh, we're expecting that to uh, to uh, come to a head here sometime this June. That will have a dramatic impact on whether or not uh, this uh, the the Affordable Care Act moves forward. And if it doesn't, it's up to Congress to make sure that we put something in place. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll have something ready to go quite soon. You'll see uh, the first salvo of this discussion probably next Tuesday when the Republicans roll out their budget. And what would the what would the fix look like for that? Would you would you uh, support going back and specifically covering uh, federal exchanges uh, as well as state exchanges or would you like to see that whole exchange issue handled differently? Well, I th- I think we've got to Obviously, um, if the federal system, the subsidies, is uh, found unconstitutional, then we're going to have to start all over again. 
But there is a great concern that millions of people who are on who have these plans now are going to go without uh, insurance, or sure. the insurance companies are going to have to continue insurance at their own cost, and that could turn the whole industry upside down. In either case, it's going to be a big problem. And uh, but you know there are a lot of simple solutions um, that that would go back to allowing patients and families and doctors to talk to each other and, and right. create the best possible plans for each other. Right now, it just seems as though families have lost control. They get into these these exchanges that they, they're overinsured, they're underinsured. Uh, the the copays, the deductibles um, are way too much for them to afford, and they have a policy, but they can't use it. Um, I like some of the provisions of the Affordable Care Act. I, for example, I like the, uh, to allow children to stay in their, under the plans until they're 26. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I think we should continue some kind of provision that would allow um, for uh, addressing pre-existing conditions so that uh, folks aren't prohibited from a policy because of a pre-existing condition. Uh, but there are so many things that we could be doing to address the cost of health care rather than just deciding who's going to pay for it. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the things that's frustrating about this debate, I think, is that we end up talking about how it affects uh, middle class uh, families who have insurance and have had to adjust to the changes. Uh, we don't talk as often about people who did not have insurance before and are are now insured, uh, and what would happen to them uh, under a different system. If we wanted to, if we wanted to go back and rethink uh, the ACA, how would how would we rethink? things to, to make it easier for them? Well, we'll have to rethink the subsidy portion of this and, and to address that very issue. Uh, they are going to be, that that demographic is going to be the most impacted by whatever happens. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's important that we uh, take that into consideration. Our- I'm talking with uh, Mike Bishop, who is the newly elected congressman from the 8th District here in Michigan. Uh, finally, I want to ask you about uh, the difference bet- that you're seeing between uh, your time in Lansing, uh, where you were the Senate Majority Leader for a, a good part of the time you were there, uh, and, and Washington, um, that's a that's a transfer uh, of of skills and environment that I'm not sure everybody uh, is is familiar with in terms of how you would negotiate that. Tell me about some of the differences between what you saw in Lansing and what you see in Washington. Well, my time in Lansing, uh, especially in the last four years uh, under the Granholm administration, w- w- there was a lot of loggerheads. Yeah. Um, but we had in Michigan to our benefit, which was a balanced budget requirement. So when it came to budgeting, although we, we disagreed on principle, there was a bigger picture. And that is that by, you know, the, the end of September, you got to have your, your the numbers had to add up. Right. right. So we had that and we actually hit that deadline. Government was shut down for hours at a time. Uh, but that's how scarce funding was, and we were really pinching at pennies to try and get things done, we got it done. My concern with the United States Congress is that if you can print money, there's no need to, <laughs> to balance budgets. Right. And, uh, I, I do think, though, that this is not a Republican or Democrat issue. When you hit $18. trillion in debt, I think the public is finally going to be uh, involved in 
putting you know putting their foot down and saying enough is enough. Right, right. I think that happened here in Michigan in 2010. You saw a revolution of new elected leaders come in, and they changed the way the place operated. And really, it was reflective of of the constituents. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, we've seen we've seen the deficit go down significantly mm-hmm. since uh, the the Recovery Act and and the stimulus and things that that, that needed to be done to get the economy going again. What, what more would you do? Well, actually, th- those numbers are going to sneak back up again. And they, you know, we're we're down to a historic low in our deficit. Um, Which does nothing about the debt. Nothing obviously. about the debt. It, right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being here. I'm sure we'll have you back. Pleasure being here. Yeah. Mike Bishop, the newly elected congressman from the 8th District from Michigan. This is Detroit Today. I'm Stephen Henderson on 1019 WDET.